When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Crowder trying to get him out of space, slips a tackle, and there he goes! Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there! A 69-yard touchdown. He'll hit immediately got the handoff, and that's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time to get to know your foe, Miami Dolphins edition. So we welcome back a return guest, Mr. Alf Artiaga, co-host of the Three Yards Per Carry podcast. Alf, welcome back to the show, brother. Thank you for having me. Last time we talked a couple of weeks ago, we were saying how the Miami Dolphins were arguably the most disappointing team in the NFL based on the expectations before the season. We thought that they were going to be fighting the Buffalo Bills for the AFC East, perhaps a wild card, and yet they were one of the worst teams in the league at that particular point in time. But since then... They've gone on a winning streak. They had won two games in a row before that. Then they beat the Jets, the Panthers, and the Giants. So they come into this rematch with the Jets on a five-game winning streak after losing seven in a row, which is remarkable. Everything about the AFC East this year has been crazy. The Bills are on a slide. The Dolphins are moving up. And the Patriots, who nobody expected to be contending for the division at the moment, are the number one seed in the AFC East. So my head is spinning from all of this. The only thing that we pretty much expected that has happened is that the Jets are all by themselves at the bottom of the division. So let's talk about the Dolphins a little bit here, Alf. What has changed since the Dolphins went on that long losing streak? What has made this team go on this winning streak and get to the point now where they're 6-7 and seven and only one game out of a playoff spot? They found a, an identity, and their identity is getting back to the aggressive defense they played last year, a lot of blitzing, a lot of man-to-man coverage, and putting the ball in Tua Tungabaloa's hands and essentially just handing the entire offense over to him. And they're playing faster on offense. They're allowing Tua to throw the ball more down the field than, than he has before. And I know that the narrative out there is that he's throwing one-yard passes. Even Logan Ryan, even while while fans post video to Logan Ryan showing him getting burned for 20-yard gains in that same game where he said that all the Tua did was throw one-yard passes to the flat, all of that has created an identity for this team they still cannot run the ball their offensive line is still bad but their defense is as good as any in the nfl and their quarterback is playing really efficient and when you get 
those two things going in your favor, you end up becoming a pretty decent team. You mentioned Tua Tagovailoa and putting the ball in his hands and that being one of the keys to the Dolphins' renewed success. And when you look at Tua Tagovailoa and his numbers on paper, they are vastly improved from last year. One yard per attempt higher. You take a look at the touchdown-to-interception ratio. You take a look at the quarterback rating, the QBR. It's all up. Everything seems to be falling into place for Tua Tagovailoa. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's played like an elite quarterback, but he's played like a really good professional quarterback. Talk to me a little bit about that development and how he's gotten to where he is right now. Well, his accuracy was always really, really good. But uh, what's gotten better with him is, I believe, the play calling. And I know that it's taboo down here, especially here with Dolphin fans who are just itching to fire every single offensive coach that runs through here. But the play calling is actually better. Uh, the play calling is is more in tune with what Tua does really well, which is the RPO. They're calling a lot of RPOs. They're calling a lot of second-level throws that he's really, really good at. So he's processing really, really well, and he's delivering the ball. Like, he's getting, he's hyper-accurate. Like, it's his ball placement has been so good that it's, it's actually upticked the yards after the catch on this team, which is something that has plagued this team for the, the last two years. They get absolutely no yak. Well, that has changed in recent weeks, and it's because of the ball placement. And, of course, the emergence of, of Jalen Waddle that, that can't be overlooked. While Mike Gusecki has taken a backseat as of late, Jalen Waddle has just vaulted ahead, and he's having a, a massive rookie season. So... Those two guys have a connection going, and you know Tua was Tua at one time was a two to one touchdown interception ratio guy, and now he's working on a three to one touchdown interception ratio, and he's headed way he's headed headed over a hundred in quarterback rating. He's already top five in QBR on ESPN's QBR, so yeah, he's just improving, and he's improving week by week. Alf, let's talk a little bit more about Jalen Waddell, who, as you said, has turned into an incredible weapon for that Miami offense and has developed a fantastic chemistry with Tua Tagovailoa. He's got 86 catches for 849 yards right now, which means there's a solid chance that he's going to go over 100 catches for the season and well over 1,000 yards. Incredible for a rookie. What a performance. A lot of people criticize the Dolphins for moving back up in the first round to go get Jalen Waddell. They thought, why give up that extra first round pick that they'd gotten in the trade down? But it seems to be paying dividends, and it has done wonders, as you said, for Tua Tagovailoa's development as a quarterback. Tell me about how Jalen Waddell has gone from a pretty good rookie to a guy who is probably going to finish in the top three for Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's just had a fantastic season. I know Devontae Smith has played really well. Obviously, Jamar Chase has too. And we've seen firsthand what Elijah Moore did before he got injured. But Jalen Waddell has been the weapon in the Miami offense. Yeah, this, this is going to be a really, really good wide receiver class. Like, you can't, you, you really can't go wrong with all, with all those guys that you mentioned. All of them look legit. All of those guys look like top flight NFL wide receivers. Uh, Dolphin fans for months, uh, well, for weeks at least this season, were lamenting, oh my God, you gave up, you gave up a first round pick. No, you didn't. Uh, in the end, the trade, the, the way the trade looks, is you got Jalen Waddle and a first round pick in 2023 for him. Oh, and also a third round pick. 
So you got Jalen Waddle by making those trades that you did. You got Jalen Waddle, a first round pick and a third round pick. I think that's a pretty good haul, especially considering how well Jalen Waddle has played. It's how they've used him. Uh, he's essentially their entire offense on third down. Uh, they try to work, especially in, in tight, uh, Gasecki and Waddle. Sometimes they try to split out Gasecki because he's he's been taking uh, a lot of attention the last few weeks, especially getting corners to defend him out on the perimeter because they know that Tua likes to throw fades to, to Mike Gasecki. So it's opening up the middle of the field for Jalen Waddle. And teams know that it's coming on third down, and they still can't stop it. And he's essentially turned into Jarvis Landry for us, which, you know, uh, Dolphin fans fondly remember his career. But, you know, uh, Landry left here because we wouldn't pay him. Uh, This is the guy we we drafted in the first round. We we control him for five years, and it looks like, you know, he's going to be here for a while. Uh, He has been absolutely magnificent. After having the the dropsies in preseason, that ended, and he since then he's just gotten better and better and better. And there's still there's still growth there, like you still have to see some of the some of the you know what was promised from him as as a draft prospect, um, as a deep threat. He's gotten down the field a little bit more. He's caught a few deep balls, but you like to see a little bit more of that. You like to see a little bit more of that yak. You like to see him take. Uh, one of those 18-yard slants that he's been catching in the RPO and take it 60 yards. Alf, you mentioned the play calling before and how that's been one of the keys to this turnaround for the Dolphins. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Uh, Yeah. Uh, One thing that they've absolutely done, and, you know, you lament because, you know, it's not very good, but the running game is terrible. Dolphins don't have a running game, but they fake it well enough to keep defenses (laughs) – off balanced so defenses don't load up on the passing game right so you know as long as you commit to something like that and it's not so lopsided like it was a little bit earlier in the the season it tends to to take some pressure off even though you're just running it for like three yards of carry it takes some pressure off and it keeps defenses honest because you really can't just you know just come off the edge when Tua was putting the ball in in Miles Gaskin's belly, because if you overrun it, you know Miles Gaskin is still a professional running back in the NFL. He can get 10, 12 yards if you absolutely blow your assignment. So it's been that, and it's been also the the heavy reliance on the RPO, of which you know Tua is really, really good at. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. I want to talk a little bit about Brian Flores and the coaching staff. There were a lot of questions early on this season about whether Brian Flores had gotten way too much hype and too much credit when the Dolphins had lost all those games in a row. There were some people that thought that he might not even survive the season, and now it looks like he's right back to where he was before the season began with everybody singing his praises. What's changed on his end? What adjustments has he made to help get this Dolphins team to where it is at 6-7 and seven and in the middle of this winning streak? Well, he won't admit it, but you know, there's some evidence to suggest that he's taken over play calling on the defensive side of the ball. And because something has changed uh, in this win streak, they're just ultra aggressive at getting after the quarterback. They're also getting a lot of better, a lot better play, especially from their rookie Jalen Phillips, who now has eight and a half sacks as a rookie. So 
there's been some change in play. They've gotten healthier on the outside, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. Without those two guys, the defense cannot go. So all of those factors are contributing to a, a defense that, that's gotten a lot better. And in the last six weeks, ranks almost in the top three in every single category. So it's been the defensive resurgence that he's getting a lot of credit for. But in the offseason, it's still going to come down to can he build that offensive staff? Because all he does every single every single year is just fire everybody on the offensive staff <laughs> and then just turn them all over again. It looks like uh, Godsey is the guy who's going to be here for a little longer. Um, you like to see him square away that offensive line, uh, starting with a new offensive line coach. That's been his Achilles heel. He hasn't been able to fill that spot. He's had four offensive line coaches in three seasons, this being his third season. So, yeah, he has to square those things away. The questions are still there because as of as of today, he is still kind of a one-dimensional coach. He he seems to do nothing wrong on the defensive side of the ball. And on the offensive side of the ball, he, never, he seems to not do anything right. So, you know, uh, the offseason will bring more questions that he will have to answer, and they're all on the offensive side of the ball. When you say the defense has been more aggressive attacking the quarterback, what exactly have they been doing? Uh, they've been sending a lot of more zero blitzes. They're sending a lot of nano blitzes. They, they're playing Jalen Phillips as designed from college. When he got here, they had him standing up. They had him in coverage. They had him playing linebacker because you understand how, how coaches usually work. They they draft the guy number one in the first round. They look at him and they say, wow, you know, he's 6'5 and 265 pounds and he runs really fast. So everybody thinks that they have the next Michael Parsons on their hands, right? So he wasn't paying dividends like that. Then they decide, you know what? We're just going to get back to what he did well in college, put his hand in the dirt, rush him off the edge, even rush him as, as a defensive tackle, as a three technique. And since then, the sacks have just come on. And he has, he has I believe, five in the last two games and eight and a, five, eight and a half overall for the season he only trails michael parsons and sacks as a rookie so that's part of it as well so they're getting good play especially from from the their edge players like uh emmanuel ogba andrew van ginkle and and jalen phillips but it's also the play calling it's much more man-to-man and the health the health of those two corners dictates how well that defense is and they've gotten back to getting all those turnovers that they got a year before. So they're essentially, they've essentially gotten back right to where they were a season ago. If you look at just the raw numbers, it is remarkable how well they've been getting to the quarterback during this winning streak. Andrew Van Ginkle, Jalen Phillips, and Emmanuel Ogba, you mentioned all of them. Now Van Ginkle only has two sacks, but he's got 18 quarterback hits. Phillips and Ogba have 16 and 19 quarterback hits, respectively. Eight and a half sacks for Phillips and six for Ogba. So they found some sort of formula here that's really been working. Absolutely. And, and of course, they bring the, the, their blitzes. And Javon Holland, who's on the COVID list, but he should test out and should be ready to play on Sunday against the Jets. He's been nothing but magnificent with, with, his, with his blitzes off the edge. So, you know, they're getting a lot of good, a good play from a lot of good players. And those three rookies at the top of the draft have been nothing short of magnificent. So, yeah, it's it's good play with, you know, a coaching staff that's just calling everything correctly right now all of a sudden. You know, they're kind of in a zone on defense. 
And part of being in that zone is having an excellent secondary. You already mentioned Javon Holland, who has taken a big leap up this year. He's played very, very well. And then you've got the two guys that you expected to be really good, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard continues to be one of the top three cornerbacks in the entire league, as far as I'm concerned. Him and Byron Jones, one of the best duos in the NFL. Tell me about that secondary, because it seems like as they've gotten more pressure, the secondary has stepped up its game as well. Oh, absolutely. And they're, work they're working really, really well in tandem. And you can almost see it like uh, the play last week um, against Mike Glennon. The, they had that zero look again, okay? And the Giants, I guess, tried to take a page from what the Jets did a few weeks earlier with Joe Flacco and tried to threaten them deeper uh, as they had those zero looks. They induced a bomb to, to I believe, was uh, Guyton and, or Slayton, Darius Slayton. And you can see almost at the snap how Glennon, what he sees is his fastest wide receiver running past Xavier Howard. What he doesn't see is that Javon Holland has left the middle of the field and is ranging over that way to a, essentially what was a bait. They baited him into throwing the deep ball on a zero look. And sure enough, when the ball arrives, it's a double coverage. And it looks like Javon Holland has the ball, but Xavier Howard comes out of nowhere and takes it away from him for an, an interception. So they're just really well. They're just in tune. Uh, that secondary is playing really well together. They know what teams are trying to do against them, and they seem to have a counter for all of it. And, you know, it, it's taken them one time. They're they're learning, and that Elijah Moore touchdown seems to have, to have turned on a switch in that secondary where they know teams are going to try stuff like that. They're going to try to – they're going to try some inside releases, and they're going to try to get guys going deep and vertical to try to counter those zero blitzes. So they're, they've taken to try to bait a lot of zero blitzes into looking like they're zero blitzes, but then dropping guys into the short zones and then dropping guys back. So they 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 have a counter for everything that's that's going against them. They, like I said, this, the defense is in an absolute zone. Uh, they're playing extremely well. Alf, last time the Jets and Dolphins played, the Jets were very competitive with Joe Flacco at quarterback. In fact... They were tied going into the fourth quarter, and then the Dolphins were able to pull away and win 24-17, but a very competitive game nonetheless. What do you expect to be different this time? you think the Dolphins are going to do anything differently that would make this a less competitive game the second time around? Yeah, I think the, the big difference is uh, the first time around, uh, Robert Sala was pretty smart in, in starting Joe Flacco. And you kind of you you kind of wonder like okay what is he doing with this because the last time the Dolphins played Joe Flacco the score was twenty four to nothing and they sacked him five times and it was a disaster it, well then you saw what it was he had a very good game plan for for the Dolphins and they it was all centered around the zero blitz to the point where the Dolphins in the fourth quarter decided you know what we're not sending any more blitzes after Flacco because he's he, he you know he's too well in tune with what we're trying to do here. So the big difference this time around is that Dolphins should be facing a rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson, and he has to deal with everything the Dolphins do on defense. And it's usually a tall order for a rookie quarterback to play against the Brian Flores-led defense. So that should be the difference. And, of course, at home, off of a bye, getting a little bit healthier, 
and they kind of know what's in what's in front of them. Uh, you know, they have to win this game. They have to win every game, really. So, you know, I do expect the Dolphins to play really, really well this week. Alf, based on everything we've talked about, what would you do if you were the Jets going into this game? What would your strategy be? And ultimately, how do you expect this to turn out? You don't have to give me a final score, but a range of where you think this will ultimately end up in terms of the Dolphins and the Jets, who's going to win and what the score might be somewhere in the vicinity of what it's going to be. Well, if I were the Jets, I would absolutely be balanced on offense. Like, you've got to be balanced. And uh, on on defense, I would flood the short zones, and I would I would keep a safety back, play him off the hash on the field side because Tua does like throwing field side, okay, which is the wider side of the field. So that's what I would do. I would not send blitzes after after Tua because it tends to speed him up, and when you speed up Tua, he tends to find guys in stride, and he could hurt you that way. Uh, teams have have found out as of late you know blitzing him is probably a bad idea so you want to play coverage and you got to get there with four if you could get there with four which you probably can because dolphin offensive line is still as as bad as it's ever been really it's and and in my opinion it's the worst offensive line in in football so that has to be the game plan on defense to try to limit to a and on offense like i said again it it has to be balanced and you got to keep zach wilson upright and you can't turn it over he has to play as boring as possible really you know if you got to play for field goals you got to play for field goals but that'll keep you close and if you're close and in the fourth quarter you got a shot alf artiaga co-host of the three yards per carry podcast thank you so much for coming on and breaking down the dolphins with me really appreciate it for those that want to check out your work follow you on social media how can they do that Uh, you can follow me at alf underscore artiaga and of course everything that we do is at the number three yards per carry, and you can get our podcast anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere. Check out everything Alpha is doing with three yards per carry and follow him on Twitter. Also, check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under, has got some all-22 film reviews up. He's going to be talking about Zach Wilson this week and his disappointing performance where the Jets, unfortunately, came up well short against the New Orleans Saints. So that video is coming. Make sure you watch all our videos and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Visit our store at tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Quinn and Williams, John Franklin Myers, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, and so much more. Plus, hoodies, mugs, it's all there. tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. It's time to take your body care routine to the next level. Introducing Osea's bestseller body care set, the perfect companion for your summer travels. This four-piece kit transforms dry skin to silky, soft, and glowing. It features travel sizes of Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil and Body Butter, clinically proven to improve skin elasticity, along with their anti-aging body balm and salts-of-the-earth body scrub. And to top it off, it's packed in a vegan leather bag, making it a must-have for all your summer adventures. 
Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat yourself to glowing, healthy skin this summer with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, you can get the Best Sellers Body Care Set valued at $78 for 33% off. Use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER.